Welcome back to the Distillery Predicts podcast, where we're exploring how the data that brands use to discover new customers and drive growth can be used to accurately predict events and trends in the real world. I'm Caroline Allen, Content Manager here at Distillery, a predictive marketing intelligence company and host of our channel. Today, Alyssa Bianco, a data analyst on our data science and analytics team, joins someone you are all familiar with by now, Peter Lenz, our senior geospatial analyst. They've been looking into what trends are happening around summer vacation travel and understanding the variances between those travelers who are looking to stay in hotels versus those travelers looking to stay in rental homes. A Google survey found that six in 10 people considering a summer trip were already conducting some type of research in February yet 46% had not decided on their destination. So understanding that statistic, Alyssa and Pete decided to see if they could dig into our system and predict where these people were actually going to turn up this summer. Who in here has already booked a summer vacation? We both have. (laughs) And are you staying in a hotel or are you staying in a rental home? Rental home. Rental home. So one can imagine that the personas of the people who are looking at staying in rental homes versus the personas of people who are looking to stay at hotels may be like wildly different. Although I know you both are staying in rental homes. As a scientist, when you were starting your research, what were some of the assumptions that you expected to find when you started to look at summer vacation trends? So the two of us, Peter and I, we can't represent everyone. That would be totally irresponsible of of us as analysts, right? But we can use our data to measure intent and categorize preferences to make a prediction of what type of accommodations people will gravitate towards. Our assumptions were based on our personal experiences. We bring biases into our work. It's unavoidable. So yeah, that's the great thing about distillery. It means that when we have an interesting question that just comes up in conversation, just thinking about things that are interesting problems, we have this massive data set. We have 21 petabytes of data sitting in our Hadoop store that I can go to, that Alyssa can go to, that anybody in the company can go to, and actually answer it. You know, We're a behavioral analytics company, and this is a behavior, and we can measure it. What's cool about doing this analysis was that we were able to validate and contradict our assumptions. One of the great things about Distillery is that we have a massive amount of data that we can dive into and satisfy our own curiosities. We love data and we're consumers too. The core of science is having a falsible hypothesis. You always have to be willing to be wrong. So our falsible hypothesis was that hotels we're going to be more things like couples, people without kids. We might see some romantic getaways, but we're the bulk of things were going to be about business. Businesses, if you're if you're working at a business, you expect to get paid back for your business trip, and businesses like hotels for that purpose. So we expected to see that in the data, and corollary to that, people using their business trips to build up reward points and then going back to hotels to use their business trip reward points to basically subsidize their own vacations. And for rental homes, we expected that we would see uh, signals that suggested big groups, like a bachelor or a bachelorette party, or a a vacation with extended family members, families with young kids, or people on a budget, because often 
I think from our personal experiences, we found that booking a rental home is a lower price vacation option than booking a hotel. After you conducted your research, were your assumptions validated? Were they proved wrong? Yes and no. For hotels, we did see a strong correlation between travel and business. So yes, what I've called co-opted business trips are definitely something that is happening. But we also see behaviors related to families, which we did not assume. And for rental homes, yes, we see behaviors related to families. Yes, we see the possibility for large group vacations, but there were no clear signals for budget travel. That's really interesting. What about your methodology? How did you dig through this data and how did you come to these conclusions? Sure, so we used one of our off-the-shelf reporting systems. It's called a audience mix analysis. And what an audience mix is, we take a pool of devices that we have seen performing some behavior, in this case, at a hotel, set of hotel sites or at a set of rental home sites and we can take those and project onto them our content clusters. Our 800 core behaviors of the internet represent roughly 95% of everything everyone does on the internet. So for this analysis, I use the same process that we use for a typical audience mix to segment an audience of people whose web behavior suggests their intent to book a certain type of travel accommodation. The digital behaviors of thousands of people interacting with these websites were used to identify unique consumer segments within the two audiences. Brands can go after the obvious and maintain their market share. Where you'll find value to grow as a brand is to know your audience and with that understanding go after what every other brand may be overlooking. Understanding the difference between the general, which would be people who consider hotels, and specific, people who consider hotels are more likely to shop for bikinis and are interested in beach vacations to Hawaii, can and should make a difference. I think that's something from brands from really any category across the spectrum will resonate with. You know, going after these really niche consumer segments that, you know, of course, you know, you and your competition are going after the obvious. But looking at these niche audiences and understanding exactly what is driving those behaviors can really impact your business. So what did you find in your research? I found three categories across the consumer segments that framed my analysis. The first were travel preferences, if they were likely to be frequent flyers or into camping. The second were interests, from which I could get an understanding of how they spend their time online and what they do for work. The third being uh, tourism and vacation locations that they're interested in. And understanding of what they do for work, can you elaborate on that? Americans have a reputation for being workaholics. Back in 2015, a study found that we left approximately 169 million vacation days on the table, wasted, about $50 billion worth. Just because people just didn't feel like or couldn't figure out how to go on vacation. Now, within the context of our research, that is totally borne out. Every single group that we looked at had some signal that linked them back to what they do professionally. And that makes sense. So what personas did you find? We found dozens of 
personas between the two audiences. We're going to talk about three for each. So the three personas in the audience of people considering rental homes that we'll talk about today are those making memories on family adventures, the work hard, play hard types, and people getting off the grid. So family adventurers, these people are families who are super supportive of what their kid is doing. You got lacrosse in there, there's soccer, girl and boy scouts, cheerleading. But because of all this, they have a full plate. I mean, kids these days, are, their time is oversubscribed. And these families, they want to break away from that. So on their vacation, none of that stuff is gonna be happening. They're looking for like work, life balance. They want a rental home, but they would also consider a cruise, can't be a national park. They're looking for experiential things that are different from what their everyday life is. This is probably families using summer vacation to break out of their normal routine and allow their kids to experience something new. For the work hard, play hard types, they're probably single or not married yet and uh, no kids. Their signals at this group puts equal weight on their personal and professional interests. And their personal interests are really active. They're into running, golf, fishing, and lots of fun stuff like college sports and beer and travel. They're super into reading travel guides. This is the bro group. This group is visiting wedding planning content, although it's not top of mind. It could be that one of the trips this group is planning is a bachelor or a bachelorette party. This group had the strongest interest in international travel for those considering a rental home. They're game for everything, and they definitely have the means to do it. <laughs> These guys don't have kids yet, so they can travel like <laughs> I used to be able to. And what about the third? Three. So the third group are the getting getting off the grid group. They're very similar to the work hard play group hard group in certain respects, but there's slight differences. And that's actually I'm going to touch touch here for a moment. That's what's great about Distillery's audience is that they're good at picking up nuance. So in a more crude way of breaking down an audience, we would lump these two together. But because there's very subtle signals that are that are different between the two, our system was actually able to get in there and delineate those and break these out into two different clusters, two different personas within this larger rental home group, which is good because I'm one of these people. For example, they're into fishing uh, just like the previous group, but they're also into hunting and farming, gardening, off-roading, and classic cars. Their interest suggests that their avocation is likely their vocation. So they're doing a lot of construction work. We're the, we think of these people as the craftsmen who are actually working with their hands to work on a house, to work on a building project. The group is the most likely to consider a rental home, has zero interest in business hotels, none whatsoever. They want to get off the grid close to the outdoor activities that they enjoy. They will consider a hotel, but it's not the ideal vacation in any way, shape, or form, and a hotel is their last resort. These getting off the grid people sound like they could be from my hometown in South Carolina, actually. But what about the people who are looking at hotels? What do those personas show? 
So, like we said before, we found a whole bunch of different personas for each of these groups. We're only going to focus in on the three that we thought were the most interesting stories. Four hotels, the three stories that we want to tell here are those who put work first, people who have, we think of them as the beach bum countdown to the beach audience, and executive travelers. For those who put work first, their behavior suggests that they're mostly browsing the internet at work or for work-related projects. It's not all work, though. They are reading blogs, women's fashion, and home, and fitness, and lifestyle stuff, and looking at concert tickets. Uh, they're also shopping for luggage, so they're probably planning a trip or expecting to travel more frequently, as this group is likely to consider a business hotel and fly frequently. For personal travel, they gravitate towards hotels with a possible reward points relationship with certain hotel chains. So it makes sense that they're doing this. These guys are traveling for work and they're racking up rewards points and then they're using those rewards points to subsidize their own personal travel. They have an interest in Europe or Central America tourism, which could be an aspirational trip or a big payoff for working so hard. Our next group are those beach bums, the countdown to beach audience. This group has a super clear signal back to their profession. These people work in pharmaceuticals or they're surgeons, doctors in the medical field, nurse practitioners. They have very limited time off and they maximize it. They maximize it relaxing on the beach. In my head, they have a mojito in each hand, but the data doesn't actually say that. My little bit of imagination. They're traveling probably with a family and they're splurging for the trip. They're buying new clothes, they're buying luggage, um, they're asking questions about what to do with the kids on the trip. Travel is really important to them. Even when they're not traveling, they're thinking about traveling, they're reading tra about traveling, they're imagining traveling. It's really, really a core activity of this group. Travel guides everywhere, frequent flyer programs everywhere, and they read lots of travel guides, lonely planets, moon guides, they're all over their signals. They are by far the most likely group to be looking specifically at beachside accommodations. They're looking at crews to tropical islands that have really nice beaches. In Hawaii, this group is light years ahead of every other group in propensity to be looking at flights and accommodations in Hawaii. The last group that we're going to talk about for people considering hotels are executive travelers. This group has a, a blurred work-life balance. They probably work in high-stress industries circling around banking, finance, law, and tech startups. And they're probably at the top of their fields. Personally and professionally, they take risks and give back with interest in stocks and philanthropy. And they like to look good while doing it. It's hotels all the way for this group, and they're likely to consider hotels on the more expensive side. They're very likely to be frequent flyers, and they're probably racking up miles by traveling abroad with a specific interest in Italy. So one thing you didn't notice in any of these descriptions were any kind of demographics. Distillery, as a company, does not believe that demographics are a way to measure behavior because demographics are an accident of someone's birth. 
Nobody behaves like they're 18 to 24. Nobody behaves like an income group. Nobody behaves like a certain type of education. People behave like behaviors, which sounds like a really obvious thing, but when you start, people start talking about demographics in this world, they're getting away from that idea. <laughs> um, so while we have demographics at the company, we never use those in building models. We only ever use them in explaining models or in terms of understanding who is inside one of our audiences. That's an excellent point, and I think that a really good resource for more information on the whole demographics versus behavior argument would be found in our first episode of the DS Without the BS podcast with Galad, so we'll link that below. And so you mentioned all these personas, but these are really just the ideal characteristics of these different groups. A single person does not necessarily behave in this exact way of that, what you described. Exactly. Personas are archetypes. No single person behaves like any one of these particular audiences. People will have affinities for all of them. I feel like I may be in the work hard, play hard group. Um, definitely take advantage of Distillery's generous vacation time. Uh, but Peter has a different perspective. Sure, I'm generally going to be in that get off the grid group with a mix of that family adventure group. But if I'm on a business trip, I'm definitely going to be in one of the hotel clusters. That really speaks to a brand's need to really hit the hit their customers with the right message at the right time or their potential customers, for instance. So, you know, making sure that when Pete is in his executive travel mode, that he's getting, you know, messaging around business hotels and conference centers. And then when he's going off the grid, making sure he's getting the cabins and things like that, staying with Alyssa. You know, it's a very important point. A lot of companies in the world of building audiences score someone into an audience and then you're there forever. We will take you out once you're out of audience. And that means that we have the purest audiences that we can possibly have. So let's get down to the meat of our podcast, the prediction. Where are those considering hotels going this year? So we talked about the personas as a way to see how interests and travel preferences relate and contrast across the audiences. In tracking the personas' interests in locations across all consumer segments, I was able to come up with an understanding of where these groups are intending to visit. And the intention and the travel intention is really exciting. So, reason why travel intention is so exciting is that it is a prediction. We're, we are basing our data on historic data from the past, February, March, and we're predicting where are people months ahead of time going to be going on their summer vacations. For those considering hotels, Washington DC, by and large, the place with the most interest for people considering hotels. And not only that, this is the location that pops most high for executive travel. So people considering hotels are also considering traveling to New York City and San Francisco. It's pretty validating for city life because hotels are a part of the infrastructure of large cities. There's history and prestige and abundance of options. 
when it comes to hotels and at least in New York City, rental homes are often frowned upon, possibly unlawful, and a, a good price point could take you away from the action. If you're interested in gambling, you're going to be booking a hotel. In fact, you're going to be probably booking the same hotel that you're going to be gambling inside of. Atlantic City, Las Vegas, both of these pop extremely hot for the hotel clusters. It's interesting because we did not see these locations at all for people considering rental homes. Then where are those considering rental homes? Where are they heading this year? People considering rental homes are also considering going to Disney. Families at Disney is not surprising. Families in rental homes at Disney, that's pretty interesting. I thought, isn't staying in Disney a part of the Disney experience? Well, when you think about it, it, it is for many people, but as your family gets bigger, the Disney hotel rooms don't scale. Um, they are a set size. And once you're a family of four, that's a very tight squeeze. While it might be cool to stare out your hotel room and see a monorail, it's probably a lot more cool to have the kids in the next room and you can get a little bit of more sleep. Calling back to our assumptions, a rental home has the possibility of home comforts for families with young kids and could be a more affordable option than a hotel. Another location we saw people had an interest in going to were national parks in Utah and California and Wyoming. National parks are often surrounded by other land, open land. And, you know, just as we saw with our Get Off the Grid audience, the people who are renting these homes in that cluster are prizing their access to open land and the activities that they want to do outside. Make, using a rental home makes total sense. You walk outside your door, the open land is right there, you can go hunting, you can go fishing, and you're not more than 100 yards from your house. It makes total sense. I definitely think that when you book a rental home, you have the possibility for staying a longer amount of time than maybe you would in a hotel. Our final cluster for the rental home audience are Atlantic beaches, especially those in South Carolina, Hilton Head and Myrtle Beach. And these also pop very high for everybody in the rental home audience. Whether you're, doesn't matter what cluster we were looking at, the three that we looked at, the other ones that were inside of our analysis, everybody wants to go here. That's interesting because I'm actually going to Hilton Head in a couple of weeks and I will be staying in a rental home. So it's all clusters, it's all all behaviors and, and yeah you keep know, an eye out for the the personas we've mentioned and maybe you can tell us if our predictions are correct you know this tells a story also about the, ch the change in perception of rental properties in the last couple of years as a the older cohort of millennial when I think traditionally of rental homes I'm thinking of things like timeshares and octogenarians in Florida but companies like Airbnb and Verbo Home away have really changed the perception of this from something that was, you know, conceived of as a stodgy thing and made it cool. Um, and hotel companies need to play catch up. They used to be the cool place, and they have been supplanted. What really drove this project was your curiosity and understanding of what our data is really capable. So I want to talk a little bit about how brands can use this. When you think about travel, right? So we're thinking about how hotels can use this information, how 
places like HomeAway and and different rental home companies can use this information. But there's a lot of applications to to different areas. So let's talk about like credit card companies. A lot of credit cards right now are promoting X amount of bonus travel miles for sign up. So this could be an area that they could use these different segmentations to to really understand and create new messages to reach a broader audience. Definitely. And with the audiences that were considering hotels, we saw signals for loyalty that they were looking at hotels that had reward points and that directly relates to credit cards. Outside of even the retail sector, industry can use this to help plan out future projects. An airline can use this data to figure out where they want to fly routes in the future. Hotels can use this data to figure out what kind of pricing they want to be using on future dates. The intended travel locations part of this analysis is probably the most exciting part. Absolutely. And as we mentioned, this is a prediction, but it's based on intent. It's not based on conversion. So how would you measure success in something like this? By combining distilleries' predictive models with a client's deterministic conversions, we can build something that is both predictive and can be measured in terms of how accurate it actually is. So, for example, one of our airline clients could work with us and use this same type of analysis and then act upon it. The prediction in the this podcast is theoretical, but it can definitely be applied to a current brand that we work with and then that's where that prediction becomes accurate. As far as our system is concerned, predicting where somebody is going to travel to once we've learned how to do it is no different than predicting whether they're going to buy a CPG product or whether they're going to convert on an e-commerce site. Well, I think I can speak for all of us on this very dreary Friday in New York City that I think we're all looking forward to summer vacation and summer travels. Beach cannot come soon enough. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Pete. I think that's I think that's it for this episode. If you guys want more information on the work that we're doing here at Distillery, visit our website at distillery.com. If you have a question for Alyssa and Pete, you can send them an email. That's analytics at distillery.com. It'll be in the transcript below. Or if you want to request a topic for us to cover in our next podcast, hit us up on Twitter at Distillery. Don't forget that's Distillery without the I, G-S-T-I-L-L-E-R-Y. Talk to you soon.